A few years ago, Peter Stoner wrote Science Speaks, and what he did is he took eight of the well-known prophecies about Jesus, and he got 600, 600 students to assist in calculating the odds of anybody meeting all these prophecies. And there are several hundred prophecies about Jesus and his birth, death, resurrection. There are hundreds more about his second coming whenever that will take place. But the ones that Peter Stoner took are that he'd be born in Bethlehem, preceded by a messenger, enter Jerusalem on a donkey, be betrayed by a friend, be sold for 30 pieces of silver, that money thrown to a potter's field, that he would be silent before his accusers, and that he would be crucified. Now, there's no getting around what these prophecies say, even though skeptics may have their own thoughts about it. The reality is we have Old Testament, the complete Old Testament, easily by 200 BC copies going back to that time frame. So there's no way that the New Testament writers and they just said, well, he fulfilled these things and added that after the fact. We have Old Testament scriptures from 200 BC in the Septuagint, and many of these prophecies were written 1000 BC. And especially interesting is the discussion about crucifixion, because that was something David would write about 1000 BC. Isaiah would write about 600 BC, and crucifixion did not start until just a number of decades before that first century AD with Rome. So it wasn't even in existence when they talked about it. So what Peter Stoner did is say, what are the odds that one person fulfilled eight prophecies, let alone several hundred? And here's the number. It's one in 10 to the 45th power. So that is one with 47 zeros following it. So essentially impossible, unless he truly is who he says that he is. That's the power of entering into 2019 with an understanding of how far Jesus goes to get our attention, fulfilling prophecy after prophecy. This is a fascinating statement by Jesus where he says in Matthew chapter 6, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, this is a picture I took of the migration of the birds coming through the Akron area just a few years ago, excuse me, a few days ago, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. Are they not all taken care of by your Father? How much more important are you than them? So how much more will he take care of us? I love this statement by Tony Robbins. He says, it's not enough to be passionate about a result. We talk about goals all year long, but especially at the beginning of the year. And passion, we talk about a lot. And it's one of the key things that you need. And as Robin says, though, it's not the only thing that you need. Passion is incredibly important. Whether your passion is to serve Christ, to reach a personal goal, improve a relationship, maybe it's to enter more deeply into the school of prayer. But as we stop and say, you know, the one who fulfilled all those prophecies that were impossible unless he is the one, the one who says, you know what, look at the birds of the air. How much better shall I take care of you? We enter into this new year and stop and say, you know what, what is my goal or goals? And passion is not enough. 
Robbins goes on to say this, you've got to want it so badly, you become uncomfortable when you're not getting it. That is what hunger is. It's a desire so strong, when you don't get what you're craving, you're disturbed. So on top of passion, there needs to be hunger. And we have to stop and say, entering into this new year, what do I hunger for? Now, Jesus talked about hunger and thirst for righteousness. But maybe, again, you're stopping and saying, you know what? I want to know him more clearly, more deeply. But it has to be a true hunger. It can't just be something that is a a passion. Interesting article that a a gentleman shared, a friend of Phil Yancey's. And he said, you know, he and his brother, who's an atheist, were at the bedside of their mom and she didn't have much longer left. Now, whether that would be hours or days, weeks or months, they simply didn't know, but it could have been any moment. And he said, my brother said to my mom to comfort her in this moment, the universe loves you. And as this man shared, it was a meaningless statement. And he said, I can tell you from being there, It didn't help my mom. The universe loves you. He said what she needed to know and needed to hear is about the one who is Messiah, who holds all things in his hands, who is there ever present, ever with us moment to moment. So let's take a look at something in Exodus chapter 21. This was 1446 BC is the time frame here for Moses. It's important to note that what's being stated here is right after Moses gave the Ten Commandments. And then he says this, If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. In the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. The context here, whether the the term translated as slave or bond servant, it's not the idea that we have in our culture of slavery in the Civil War. In this culture, going back to this time frame, what happened is if somebody were deeply in debt and they thought, I'll never get out of debt, or maybe they lost everything, bankruptcy, they could then volunteer to be a family's bond servant. And it was a six-year contract, a six-year commitment. During that six years, that family would take care of all their needs, erase all their debt, and they would be the servant to that family. On the seventh year, they would be free and they would be debt-free. They could even buy back their property. Here's a statement by Mitch Glazer. An Israelite who fell into debt or lost his land could indenture himself as a servant to a fellow Israelite. After six years, he would be released, could buy back his land. Some chose not to leave the service out of gratitude because they were treated so well during those six years. So that takes us to the next part of Exodus chapter 21, where Moses says that very thing. If your servant declares, I love my master and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judge. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awe. Then he will be his servant for life. So, Fascinating. If somebody served six years, but the family, they became so close, they could say, I want to serve you for life. And then the community would say, well, we need evidence of that certified. 
and they certified it by what we just read, but maybe it didn't stand out as much. Let me read what it said again. He shall take him to the door. Doors were made, of course, of wood. He would pierce his ear with an awe or a nail. Then he would be servant for life. Wood, piercing, and a nail. Fascinating. As we've said many, many times, everything in Scripture is pointing to someone else. When somebody said, you know what, I want to give my life in service to others, they would go then in front of the courts and their ear would be pierced and they would pierce that ear into a piece of wood and blood from the nail would then be on that very wood and they'd have a permanent mark then in their ear so people knew that they chose this lifestyle to be a lifelong servant to that family. Notice what Paul says if we go to the New Testament, Romans 1.1, I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.1, Paul, bond servant of Christ Jesus. Now, whether that term is translated, some use bond servant, some use slave, it all is meaning the same thing. What is it that Paul was saying about his own life? Well, think about Paul, and he himself would declare, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. He would be beaten and have the scars from that. In fact, he made it very clear that he was beaten many, many times. And essentially, the idea here is that our life should be so marked that people should know our master is Christ, that our life is Christ, that he is the one we have said, you know what, because he supplies all my needs, I give my life in service to him. Phil Morgan put it like this. Every time it was ever done in Israel, every time a slave made that choice in the seventh year and he walked back to the house arm in arm with his master, I can just imagine God looking down from heaven saying, that is my quest right there. That's what I'm after. A people who will take the freedom I offer and then use it to walk with me, to serve me. People like the International Justice Mission working to stamp out human trafficking. They share that when they learn about a corrupt politician overseas, they go to that politician's office and they'll say, we know you're getting kickbacks from human trafficking. And we both know your laws forbid that. We can bring cameras in here and expose you to the world. Or we can make you a hero and you can join us to publicly break up this ring. Your choice. You see, that's a life marked by Christ. Somebody looking out at the world and saying, here's a need. How is it that I can then help serve God in this place of need so that I can be his witness and bring light into the darkness. Romans 6, 16, what does Paul say? You are slaves of the one you obey, whether slaves to sin, which leads to death, or slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. 
Paul himself, we know, would be going down a road to Damascus at a time when he was very arrogant and the light of Christ would blind him. So he'd stop seeing only himself and he'd look inwardly and see the need he had for a savior. And then spiritually his eyes would be open and then he would proclaim, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I'm a slave, a bond servant to Christ, a slave unto righteousness, choosing to seek the one who met each and every one of those prophecies, even though the mathematical odds of that basically impossible. A door, a piercing by a nail. What is it that Jesus said again? John chapter 10, I am the door. All sorts of metaphors Jesus used about himself, others used as well. I am the first, the last, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the lion, the lamb. And here he says, I am the door. That's the incredible thing about looking at all those metaphors because Christ is the sacrifice. He's the one sacrificed too. He's the door on which the nail was pierced. He is the door that enters into life. He's all things. He's the everything. That's why, again, as Dr. Stoner did that mathematical equation, who could fulfill each of those prophecies, well, only God himself. Notice here, though, if we go and look at a couple more verses that go in line with what we are looking at, Isaiah and David in the psalm. Isaiah chapter 50 and Psalm 40. Psalm 40 would be written about, again, 1000 B.C. Isaiah 50, about 600 B.C., Notice what Isaiah says, and here's a wonderful just picture and goal to take with us into this new year. Again, both these prophets had the mind of Christ inspired by the Holy Spirit to write things that Jesus would think, say, and do once he was born, the word become flesh, the word ever existent, and then dwelling amongst us that fateful day in Bethlehem. Isaiah 54 says this, these are the words of Jesus. He awakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen as one being instructed. Perhaps our prayer for this new year to say, Lord, give me a listening ear. Give me an ear to hear your voice over my own, and over all the others, so that I can step out to a new calling, a deeper faith, renewed in my life, renewed in thee, become a person that you use to change other people's lives. Give me a listening ear. What did Jesus say? John 5, 9, Jesus told the disciples, truly, I tell you emphatically, Some versions have truly, truly. When those words are used, Jesus is making a point where he says, listen very, very closely. John 5, 9, I tell you emphatically, the son can do nothing on his own accord, only what he sees the father doing, 
What the Father does, the Son does likewise. Jesus listens to the Father and then does likewise. How should we live our life? Listen to the throne, Holy One of Israel, and then do likewise. Not our own will, but saying, Lord, let me listen. Give me a listening ear. Psalm 46, notice what is said here. This is the Dewey Rhymes translation. Sacrifice and oblation thou didst not desire, but thou hast pierced mine ears. Here's the Aramaic English of Psalm 46. With sacrifice and offering you have not been pleased, but you have pierced the ears for me. Again, David writing 1000 BC, before crucifixion would even be invented by hundreds of centuries. He had the mind of Christ. Then he says, you know what? Sacrifice and offering, thou didst not desire, but thou desires what? A pierced ear. One who says, I give my life in service because you provide all that I need. Because you are the all in all. One who says, you know what? I serve because he is the master and I choose to live my life given in honor to this one who fulfilled those prophecies, one to the 45th power chance to be fulfilled. People like Pastor Lee Young, South Korea, I imagine he never could picture what his life would become. So he had a listening ear, pierced, marked for Christ, and said, your will be done. What happened is Pastor Lee Young had a child, and that child was found to have cerebral palsy. So Pastor Lee felt an outreach in his heart to specifically seek out parents and help encourage them if they also had a child with special needs. But he was then shocked by what he found. He found that hundreds of babies are abandoned on the streets in South Korea if they have a handicap. So what did Pastor Lee do? Well, he opened up an orphanage and basically took the idea of a drop box from a bank and word got out, don't leave your baby abandoned on the street. Place the baby in this drop box and in that drop box is a blanket and the whole box is heated and once you close the door, a motion sensor sends an alarm to Pastor Lee who will come, take that baby out of that drop box and welcome that child into his orphanage. Sometimes upwards of 18 babies a month have been left in that heated box. Life is different when we stop and say, I am the bond servant. He's the master. Provides all I could ever hope, need, want. So I choose to go with him to have my ear pierced into the wood to proclaim I, by his grace, step into this moment and I will serve him 
and simply say, here I am, send me. So with that promise, again, stepping into the new year, I pray for each of us that we begin daily to just proclaim, God, give me a listening ear. Never knowing what new direction our life might take as He leads and we follow. And if you need a time of refreshing, a time of renewal, Jesus says, you know, look to the birds of the air. Each one provided for, taken care of. Are you not of more value than they? And just like Paul going down that road to Damascus, we never know in that moment when we say, yes, Lord, here is my ear, pierce it upon that wood, my commitment to thee, his light will invade our life and lead us to a complete new calling, complete new life, a complete new freedom where everything we truly hunger for will be fulfilled in Him.